Hey, welcome to Grace and Peace Church Online. I'm Carissa, the Associate Pastor. Glad you're here for this series on the book of James. Glad you're following along. If you want to get caught up, you can scroll back through our YouTube archives, or if you click subscribe today, it'll be easier to find it next time and you can track with us, find out what's going on. And if you joined us for our Sermon on the Mount series this year, or if you're fairly acquainted with your Bible, you've probably been familiar with this phrase that was used by Jesus, you have heard it said. When Jesus started a sentence with, you have heard it said, the people who followed him and learned from him knew that it was time to strap in and listen closely because it meant that Jesus was about to take a well-known teaching and flip it on its head. It meant that things were about to be corrected or reinterpreted in light of Jesus, and necessarily so. So in that spirit of shaking things up, I want to borrow his lead in, you have heard it said. You have heard it said, do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. That's, that's familiar, right? I mean, maybe it's just me, but I'm assuming that you also were raised in the company of imperfect adults. And this is a pretty common, if misguided adage, or if you were trained by a Jedi master, maybe you heard it like this. As I say do, as I do, do not. In any case, the desired effect of that statement was to excuse one's own behavior, while at the same time it's meant to curb someone else's behavior before some inappropriate imitation occurred. It was meant to just stop bad copycatting. But I have to say that as a model for teaching or parenting, mentoring or ministering, do as I say, not as I do, is confusing and hypocritical and unsustainable if the person speaking hopes to have any credibility or to make a concrete positive impact. And more importantly for us, the phrase and the mindset is unbiblical. It's contrary to the way of Christ. I believe, and I think that the letter of James that we've been looking at for the past couple of weeks will confirm that Jesus was a do as I say, do as I do kind of guy, and that Christ followers are commanded to that same ethical and practical way of living and being. Let's listen to what James has to say as we pick up our reading in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There it is. And the implication is as big as day, listen and do. Held together as an expectation of followership, of being a disciple. James says do both. Listen to the word and do what the word says. Now, when I first read that, I wondered about James's use of the word, word. 
I do think that James is instructing believers to recall the words and teaching of Jesus and to apply them intentionally and continually in their lives in such a way that every disciple would be useful to the mission of Christ. But I can't help but think that the reference to the word also suggests a double meaning. So consider the beginning of the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. From His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus was the Word made flesh. And if we let that truth run in the background of James's writing, what we hear is this. Do not merely listen to Jesus, do what Jesus said. Now, like I said, I don't know if James intended for this play on words, but I like to think so because the weight of the name of Christ in this command is then incredibly compelling do what Jesus says. And then that also causes me to ask, well, what did Jesus say to do? Because now I know I've got to go do that. Well, I did a little search for us on the commands of Christ. And you'd think that would be just cut and dry, but the compilations range from 300 plus commands, and those include those sort of one-off like rise and walk, to other lists that are 70 or 49 or 30. And then there's my least favorite, the seven major commands of Jesus. Now, I don't have it in me to pick a top seven for Jesus, but I can say that Jesus's imperative teachings cover an array of subject and categories, and I'm gonna list some of those for us here. And these subjects aren't definitive, but the topics are often recurring. So let's start with one, divine relationship. This would cover all those commands that are related to praying and praising the love of God, honor of God alone, of being wary of false prophets, being wary of Pharisees who minimize the importance of the law. And then number two, maybe choosing the way of Christ. This would include all of the commands that range from turning from sin to repentance to usefully following Christ. And this would include all of the follow me commands that Christ uttered. And then there's commands related to inner life. These include being watchful and prayerful, being born again, making an effort to understand the way of Christ, seeking wisdom, being joyful. And number four might be human relations. This would include all the commands about loving our neighbors and being forgiving and respecting all people. Number five might be disciple making. This would include all of the commands uh, related to teaching and preaching and baptizing, producing spiritual fruits. And number six, I might say, is imitating Christ, imitating his ethical behaviors. This would include things like feeding the hungry, inviting people, being hospitable, serving humans, serving creation, being welcoming to children, being perfect. And that would include obeying the will of God entirely. And this would also incorporate some follow me commands. And then there's 
honoring financial obligations. And Christ talked about that a lot. This would include rendering to Caesar, rendering to God accordingly, not coveting, uh, giving in secret, being sacrificial, seeking God above material gains, laying up treasures in heaven. So this isn't an exhaustive list, and it's obviously more than I can cover in 20 minutes. So I'm gonna make some hopeful assumptions about our community in order to move the conversation down the list. I'm choosing to believe that we have gathered as a community because we worship or are wondering about the one true God of creation who's incarnate in the person of Jesus. And I assume with that, that our inner life includes humility and prayer and a quest for understanding. And I expect that as a local church, we relate to our neighbors with love and that we forgive wrongs and that we pursue justice for the oppressed. And I hope that we're generous with the gifts that God's given us and that we support his work with our finances. And finally, if we call ourselves Christians, I feel safe in supposing that each one of us is engaged at some level in teaching or expressing the good news of Christ for the sake of disciple making. And I say all of that because these are foundational things to our faith. We are all supposed to be actively and regularly engaged on all those levels, and I'm just super hopeful about our community. And so with all of that assumed, I can focus on the subject of doing like Jesus and explore number six on that list, imitating Christ. And we can then look at how we can make that part a reality in our lives too. There's this guy called Thomas Akempis, and he's a 14th century theologian, and he's an authority on the subject of Christ-like living. And he said this, we must imitate Christ's life and his ways as if, if we are to be truly enlightened and set free from the darkness of our own hearts. Let it be the most important thing we do. Well, that's my prayer today, that when we leave here, we let the imitation of Christ be the most important thing that we do. And by the way, there's going to be a link to a public domain PDF of Thomas Akempis' work, The Imitation of Christ, in the service notes and in our online media. So, to get ready for today, I surveyed the commands of Christ that would ideally shape our imitative behavior to welcome, to serve, to feed, to be perfect, stood out. And they all pointed to this one profound and summarizing event. This is from the Gospel according to John. It was just before the Passover festival. The evening meal was in progress. Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them.
In this one event, Jesus enacts every ethical element which we in turn are called to emulate. In so many ways, this is an ideal summary of the words that James recalls us to and the ones that we must not merely listen to, but give new life to. Jesus set a table, he invited, he welcomed and fed his guests, he sat with friends and enemies alike, he loved all of them. He humbled himself utterly and he served everyone present as though he was the lowest among them. And then he told everybody there, to go and do the same. He said, and he did all those things. And then he would go on from that moment to glorify God by demonstrating forgiveness and sacrifice on a scale beyond our imagining. And yet, I believe that we do have to vividly, viscerally imagine that for ourselves. To truly imitate Christ, we cannot simply copy his actions. We need to grasp his motivation and align ourselves with his great compassion and submit ourselves to his authority and direction. And then we must engage in the practice of our faith in such a way that he is honored and glorified by it. And if we do, if we hear what Christ said and do what he did, not just once, but by the very purpose of our lives, consistently and without prejudice or favoritism, then, says James, will be blessed. Then, says Jesus, will be blessed. And blessed means this, to enjoy the benefit of an intimate, knowing relationship with Christ, to have the assurance that you remain in his love and to have your joy made complete. Listen to this from John again and consider the operative word, if. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In short, if you do what Jesus said and you do what He did, then you will also have a share in Him, completely love and joy and all. Do as I say, do as I do. Now. I want to wrap this up with what I hope will be a concrete look into the concept of followership, true discipleship, which is at the heart of doing life like Christ. So a lot of you know that this summer I started learning how to park skate. In fact, I think I've skated with 80% of the community of Grace and Peace. Well, skating over hills and down embankments and up walls is scary. But the most terrifying thing I've tried is called dropping in. And that just means standing on a wall and then stepping off and over the edge and then rolling face first downhill and it doesn't make any sense. And if I think about it too long, I can't do it. I can't always do it, but my daughter Bonnie can. She shreds. So when I'm stuck, I ask Bonnie to step off the wall. I ask her how. I've asked her 30 or 40 times. She has explained it 30 or 40 times. Basically, she's discipling me. She has told me what to do and I've listened. I have heard her. Sometimes I even go and do what she said, but then sometimes I just lose all sense of it. That's like me looking in a mirror and then going away and forgetting what I look like. And so on those days when I'm lost, I ask Bonnie how to drop in again and she gets on the wall 
with me and she steps off first. She steps in the way that she knows that I will. She puts her foot in the place that I need to go. When I see that, I know that it's possible. Effectively, she's saying, follow me, and in my head I'm shouting, let's go! And if I follow her, I know that I can do it. I can jump too. And then on those days when my confidence is really shot, Bonnie stands close enough for me to lean on. Like her presence is my security. At my weakest, she supports me. And then when I jump, it's our victory. If I do what she says and does, I accomplish the goal. All of the process is progress. And if I keep training, if I just keep pressing on, I stop forgetting and success follows. Fear lessens and memory develops and better habits form. And then some of those things have even become ingrained in me. I've been able to teach and show others those little bits that I know. I actually feel responsible for sharing the things that I'm certain of. That's one of those faith bits that I assumed about us and then skipped earlier, that when your practice matches your master, it's time to teach. So that's it. Do what I say, do what I do in a nutshell. And so I wanna end with this. In your faith practice or otherwise, I wanna suggest five steps to take away uh, in order to embrace this ethic as I do, do. So step one, trust the source. If you're skating, trust Bonnie or maybe this guy called Nick the Medic, but otherwise, I'm talking about Jesus. Step two, follow directions. Step three, walk in the steps of the master. Step four, practice, apply the teaching and then repeat steps two through four. And step five, in weakness, refer to step one. Trust the source, borrow their strength, lean on Christ. And that's it. So now let's go put this to good use this week. Let's go and be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen and grace and peace. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.